Hi everyone and welcome to VMware's Partnership Perspectives. I am Zia Yusuf, Senior Vice President of Strategic Ecosystems and Industry Solutions at VMware. And I'm pleased to share with you stories and trends from VMware partners, executives, and industry analysts. In this episode, I'm joined by Luke Clifton, Group Executive at Macquarie Telecom. With over 29 years of experience in the telecommunications industry, Luke provided his take on how customer needs have evolved, the necessity of data sovereignty, and the critical role Macquarie plays in bridging the skills gap for its customers. Enjoy part one of your conversation now. Well, hello everyone. My name is Zia Yusuf, and I'm the Senior Vice President at VMware for Strategic Ecosystem and Industry Solutions. I'm absolutely delighted today to welcome Luke Clifton, who's the Group Executive at Macquarie Telecom. Pleasure to have you here on this somewhat sunny Sydney morning. Disappointingly miserable Sydney sunny morning. When I flew over here, I was expecting something a little different, but this, this conversation is, is going to make up for it. But look, first of all, thank you so much for the partnership with VMware. Thank you so much for the collaboration. Macquarie Telecom is doing some amazing things in the market, and, and I'm really excited to just have an opportunity to chat with you about that. So if we'll go through a series of questions. We can just kind of maybe starting just at the top here with the telco space. I mean, there's been so much innovation that has happened in the market on the consumer side, on the networking side, certainly on the B2B side. If you step back, forest, not trees, kind of how do you look at that evolution and where things are, especially in the Australian market, but if you want to kind of broaden it to a technology trend as well? I think this is probably the most exciting time for the telecommunication industry that there's been, not only here in Australia, but probably globally. And there's a contest for the innovation. There's a contest for the hearts and minds of the consumer and the industries that we're going after, the markets that we sell into, about what is the role of a telecommunications player in the ecosystem for our customers and to the IT world of our customers. There's almost a networking perspective of what's happening in the telecommunications world, but also how does that network play into the cloud providers? So partnerships for us as a traditional telco with cloud innovators like VMware are critical in being able to remain relevant to our market that is seeking innovation and seeking transformation, especially in that corporate enterprise government space. That's been the really big shift, I think, over the last five years is the cloud providers are moving in the telco space and the telco space are trying to move into the cloud space. And players like us being able to stitch together solutions for customers is really where the action has been for us over the last five years. Has what your customers have demanded, has that shifted in the last three, four, five years versus before? Or is it the quality, the speed, the cost effectiveness? Do you see any difference in what they're demanding? So there's been a couple of things that have been happening. Firstly, it's all about the application. Like just stepping back from networking and multi-cloud providers, and it's about the application and who's got access to the application. Where do they have access to that application, the performance of that application, how secure that application is. Now, you've got different, almost philosophical perspectives of who's in control of that. Is it the network provider and the performance of that application at the edge or on the device, or is it actually sitting in the cloud? Now, the right answer is, it's a combination of both. So we've been a very strong partner from day dot uh, with VeloCloud and VMware for SD-WAN. 
for that uh, performance of the bandwidth and the performance of that application over the bandwidth and which particular application takes priority. But also, we've been a long-term partner with VMware for your cloud solutions. So our whole private cloud and our infrastructure from a cloud perspective is being built on a VMware stack. So we've been uniquely able to provide almost that combination of SD-WAN, networking performance, and cloud performance for our IT customers that we're selling into. And so one of the words you mentioned was edge, which is obviously getting a lot of attention. The definition of edge varies a little bit. Use cases are very important. Real-time data is very important. How do you look at edge both as a solution provider and what are some of the use cases that you're seeing from your customers that are really kind of driving the demand for the edge? Really, it's sort of three aspects of that I'd like to explore with you. So the first one is, as a telco provider, we like to talk about sites. And we talk about the edge as being an address. So we might have a customer that might have 200 sites across Australia, or maybe globally, and we would call the edge of where a telco would naturally terminate a service. We might put a box on the end of that, and we would call that an edge. But you and I both know it's more than that now, and I think COVID brought that to life more than anything else. All of a sudden, our customers weren't at 200 sites anymore. They all went home. They were across 20,000 sites. So then, of course, you're getting into this conversation about the edge being actually the device that's getting access to the network and the performance of that device and that application, and that becomes the edge. And then what particular applications can be deployed to the edge at a certain performance standard, making sure that we've taken through latency issues and performance issues in relation, but also security. Who's got access to the network and, and in what way? So this debate about where the edge is now is becoming critical in the conversations we're having with customers for security, for performance, and also for data sovereignty purposes as well. I'll pick up on two, again, things there. One is on the security side, right? I mean, obviously, any place you have software in any shape and form becomes exciting from protecting that asset. How has the challenges of security evolved and how much of an issue is that for you today and for your customers? It's critical. And I think it's always been one of those concerns in the past, but it hasn't been of primacy when you considered that you knew where your network was you had all the protocols and right. controls around a network, especially when you're terminating sort of your own private network at certain sites. COVID sort of really brought that to life that all of a sudden now we've got lots of holes in terms of the security infrastructure. So there's a couple of things I'd like to unpack here. Firstly, for the type of market that we're selling into, that sort of corporate mid-market enterprise, they might have an IT team of 10, 20, 30 people and who's looking after the security of that network at any particular point in time. So you might only have in your organization a couple of people that are responsible for looking at the security of your network. Who's got access to the database? Who's making sure that the intrusion detection is happening? Where is the data being compromised? And so you might only have one or two people. That's a real problem in a 24-7 world where you've got geopolitical threats, you've got all sorts of state players trying to get access to your data, you've got criminal networks, you might even have recalcitrant employees in your own organization trying to misuse. Cybersecurity is one of those buzzwords, but have real meaningful impact for customers when they've got, been compromised from it. I think we've all got those horrendous stories of people being attacked by malware or phishing, et cetera. So the IT departments are being asked by boards and their executives, how are they protected from that? And when you look inside of your own IT resources, who's actually looking at that 24-7? Well, that's a job role for players like us. We've got, in my own organisation, over 200 government-cleared, what we call NV1, government-certified engineers, constantly looking after the networks that we look after with VMware for the security of that data and where that data sits. 
So this is conversation number one, two, and three in almost every interaction we're having with customers now. It's about security first, and once you've gotten past that gate and ticked the boxes that you can do this job on our behalf, then we get into conversations about the network and what multi-cloud it's going to sit on. Security is promising. And so when you bring some of these topics together, security, data privacy, and so on, uh, one of the topics is, is on sovereign clouds that yes. comes up. And we're delighted that you've joined VMware's Sovereign Cloud Initiative, which is becoming a, a fairly strong set of capabilities and programs you're running throughout the world. How do you think about sovereign clouds as a topic? And, and then what was it about VMware's engagement with you and, and how are you serving the Australian market on that? So this is really important for us. And it's really important for our industry. And it's really important for the customers that we serve. For the type of customers that we engage with, which is mainly government, enterprise and corporate customers, many of them are looking for sovereign cloud capabilities and certifications to warrant our engagement with a particular provider. We have always had a domestic sovereign play inside of what we've done and taken to market. So therefore, partners like you who have been able to engage with us and give us the right comfort and certifications that the data and the performance of the cloud that we're partnering with you is also certified is critically important to the customers that we're selling through to. So we've got a lot of customers in the banking and finance industry, a lot of customers in the industry, a lot of customers that are leaving some of their credit card informations with us. All of these things are now becoming more tightly regulated in the Australian market and I think globally as well. So having sovereign cloud certification, and like I mentioned before, over 200 government cleared engineers looking at that infrastructure, looking at that data all the time, is a ticket to the dance and being able for us to sell the solutions through the customers that we're chasing. If I could just kind of a, a broader question, the pandemic has had all kinds of interesting impacts, just obviously on the way we work and hybrid work and so on, but also has shown a spotlight on the fragility of supply chains both physical supply chains, but also digital supply chains, if you will. And that's led to even more excitement and energy around sovereign clouds. As you look forward kind of five, 10 years, does that become more and more extreme, more nationalistic? Is globalization at threat from that perspective? It's definitely a trend away from globalization and moving more back to a domestic sovereign view of the infrastructure and assets and the skill sets that need to be in place to be able to service the digital economy and our customers moving forward. So one of the things that I've been very vocal about in our market for the last 10 years is many of my competitors have, and even some of our customers, moved a lot of what I would call the human capital infrastructure and skill sets that we've needed in this nation over the last 10 years offshore. And now I'm sure it's the same in almost every country, there is a real skill set gap between what customers are demanding, what we need to provide, and the human infrastructure to be able to provide that skill set for customers. So our own customers are really struggling getting the skills that they need inside their own organization to be able to manage their networks and their clouds in the right way. That's why players like us become critically important. I think we've all gone through now the journey of seeing many of our own suppliers also struggling to give us the type of infrastructure that we need to be able to build out our own business. So that's even tighter for the customers that are selling through to. I can't see that trend going away anytime soon. As we move more to a consistent now view and certified view of what you are required to provide to the customers that we're trying to sell through to, I think those demands are only going to increase, not go back. Obviously the physical supply chain, which was at risk, yeah. but also this kind of digital technology or data supply chain is becoming 
more bifurcated. You can pick different systems, whether it's the U.S. and, and, and so on. So that was one kind of, obviously, impact of, of the pandemic. The other one was on hybrid work, and it's been a pretty foundational change for all of us. So maybe a two-part question. One, how has that impacted the solutions you provide to your customers? And then internally on how you operate and your teams, how have you seen that evolution? So there's probably two trends there. I'll start from a telco perspective, sure. then we might move into the cloud and then address it that way. So firstly, we've been a long-term partner with VMware on SD-WAN. And we found for those customers that had embraced a software-defined networking infrastructure first, were e more easily able to adapt when COVID hit. And all of a sudden, they went from 200 sites that were having to manage to 2,000 sites when everybody was working from home. I think that's a, a well-acknowledged trend that happened globally. For those customers that were sort of stuck on traditional MPLS networks and their own IT staff really struggled to be able to adapt where they needed that application to perform at the new edge, if you like. So that was trend number one. The second one that we saw was in the middle of COVID, you saw still a lot of people working remotely, moving their application stack from uh, on-prem to a range of different multi-cloud environments. And what was really interesting, the trend that we saw was that a single application might be put in a number of different cloud environments, not just one, and then being, depending on the security of the performance or whatever the application was, so native cloud applications, moving to a multi-cloud environment, and then how did you guarantee and how did you make sure that the performance of that application, no matter what cloud stack, it could have been Azure, it could have been a private cloud, could have been still on-prem, how do you make sure that that application is still performing really well at the edge, no matter where now the customer or your staff were? That was a huge trend that we saw during COVID, an acceleration of those discussions with IT staff. Now, the real difference for us was we're a very face-to-face -face type of organization. We've got skilled staff that like to come out to people and talk them through and grab a whiteboard and walk through the different solutions. It's like, we we're having to do that online. So we were having to adapt to this new environment, having those skills and conversations with customers offsite and being able to still accelerate what customers needed in that space. What's really interesting out of that, in the last year of COVID, so for our FY22, we did more SD-WAN site deployments in one year than in any other year with VMware, in any other year since we've launched the product. So even though we're all trapped at home, even though IT staff was really thinking about what type of infrastructure that they needed, in the uncertainty of how many people are going to come back to work and are they still going to be at this office, we still managed to deploy a much larger SD-WAN footprint than we ever had in any previous year. It's been absolutely remarkable, the acceleration of digital transformation yes. at all levels of the stack, the applications down to the infrastructure and so on, and the resilience and flexibility that the cloud provides. And at the same time that that's happening, all our tech partners and companies having to kind of organize and reorient and restructure themselves. Significant growth in business, but in a very different operating model, which is not easy to pull off. No, it's not. And look, there's some really interesting case studies in relation to that. I think one of our really successful deployments is uh, an organization here in Australia that's called MyCar. Yep. This is a customer that does you know, over 300 sites of car service centers to go and get your car serviced. And they were coming from very old legacy infrastructure. But their value proposition to their customers was when you're driving up with your car to get it serviced, they have cameras there that will read your number plate. And all of a sudden your service history is going to come up. So instantly as you're driving your car, they know who you are. They know it's Zia. He's driving in his Ferrari. You don't know how much I get paid. That's, that's a hope and a dream. And the other issues I'd never fit in one. But that no, is no, driving in your sports car to get it serviced. 
And the mechanic will come out and say, hey, Zia, here we are. It's been six months since we've seen it. All of that critical sort of customer service application performance at the edge was dependent on A, the applications are sitting in our cloud, two, then having the right network in place, SD-WAN deployment on the edge, and then making sure that application performing really well in real time for the customer at that edge. One of the things that we saw during COVID is that people, of course, stopped traveling overseas, but they were jumping in cars and driving around. So my car's business exploded as well, because everybody wanted to go and get their car service before they went on a road trip. So it's that type of stuff that we saw really interesting developments during COVID and different industries take off that needed digital transformation urgently, even though people were in lockdown. It was a fascinating time. And then of course, MyCar was a joint customer uh, together with you and, and a great success story there. And I think a, a fantastic example of having real impact on the business model, which is what we did with, together with MyCar as well. And a consumer orientation and the, and the user experience, right? At the end of the day, so much of this technology kind of leads up to that change in that user experience and not just the cost side of it. Being able to deploy networks and infrastructure quickly for customers inside of, uh, for those that are going through digital transformation was critical. There were another two customers in there that we were very successful with together. Explosive growth during COVID because everyone's sitting at home going, what am I going to do? I'm going to go and get a pizza. And so massive growth. And so we were able to enable digital transformation for them because they're striving to improve their customer delivery time and response times for customers ordering pizzas. We saw explosive growth with another customer here in Australia called Green Cross, and they, they provide pet services. Because the other thing that you did during the middle of COVID was go and buy a pet. So they saw explosive growth in their business as well, but they couldn't keep up with their legacy infrastructure and the way that their applications were performing with their legacy systems. They needed a partner like VMware and Macquarie to come together and deliver that so they could continue their growth during a lockdown period. So it was a really fascinating period of time to see those industries and those customer demands translate to real demand for players like you and I. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed part one of my conversation with Luke. It was particularly motivating to hear examples of how together, Macquarie and VMware help businesses innovate to meet their customers' needs during the pandemic. Be sure to catch part two of our discussion to hear Luke's take on hybrid work, his leadership style, and staying passionate at work. To learn more about VMware, please visit vmware.com. To connect with Luke, you can find him on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe, follow, and review VMware's Partnership Perspectives podcast from your streaming platform of choice. For more information on VMware and our partners, please visit the Partner Executive Edge page on vmware.com. I'm Zia Youssef. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.